to face, hand to hand, film to film. Welcome to another episode of Film to Film, the best film podcast in the world, according to me. My name is Iñaki, and I'm here with my good co-host, James Shergan. James, how are you doing today? I am doing all right. Uh, yeah, uh, excited to talk about um, another film that we watched together 10 years ago. I know, I know. We, we've been doing this, huh? Uh, be, before that, though, have you watched any, anything else lately? Oh, man. Uh, I'm always watching different stuff. Uh, <coughs> I've been revisiting, uh, well, and Yaki dies over there. I have been uh, revisiting uh, the films of Brian De Palma, so I've been just slowly watching through a lot of his films. So I watched Black Dahlia recently, which is a very beautiful film. Uh, not terribly compelling as far as plot goes, but uh, yeah, that's kind of been my viewing pleasures. All right, all right, okay. Um, I've actually, I don't think I've seen many of uh, his films. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, Carrie, uh, Dressed to Kill. Um, uh, I mean, he has a lot of, um, you know, fairly famous uh, films from some 70s and 80s. Blowout uh, is classic. Body Double. Uh, um, he's also known for some commercial films like The First Mission Impossible, um, maybe less successful Mission to Mars. Uh, so I'm sure you've seen at least a, a handful of his films. Scarface as well. Yeah, I've actually, yeah, I've seen many other ones you mentioned. Uh, I was trying to remember which ones he had done. So very yeah, happy yeah. to uh, know. You know, I, we'll have to uh, write a paper about that, or maybe a, a thesis. <laughs> Or thesis, 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 thesis. So yes, indeed. Uh, today we will we'll be talking about thesis or thesis, a film from 1996 from Spain by Alejandro Menaver, who is a Spanish-Chilean director. Now, uh, what what are your thoughts about the movie? Yeah, I mean, as I said, this is a uh, second watch here. We watched this together. Uh, I checked my log, and it looks like back in 2008, so actually this is a 13-year break in between views. Um, and I quite liked the movie back then, um, and happy to report that um, it's still a pretty uh, enjoyable watch, uh, pretty easy to watch now. Um, you know, I, I frankly don't remember exactly what uh, I picked out from the film last time, um, but... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I probably processed it fairly differently um, just because the film is a lot about like media and uh, violence in, in media and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, just the way we perceive those things has changed a lot um, in the last 13 years. Um, so yeah. uh, so I suspect um, I probably had different thoughts then. I don't remember exactly what they are, but just as far as like being a, like a thriller and, and like a sort of entertaining serial killer stuff. I think this this film uh, works quite well. I agree. I agree. I, I after watching, you know, some of those Giallo films and uh, some of those mysteries, I do feel like th this movie, you know, follows uh, a lot of ho horror tropes or mystery tropes at the same time, and might have been inspired by those. Probably not, but uh, you, you do see some connections. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it kind of has that very European mystery. I mean, the mystery in this is really strong, as it is in, like, a lot of Jalos And, like, some of the touches, like, all the red doors and stuff reminded me a little bit of, of 
Jello, um, but I do think I, I do agree with you. I think it's a little different, um, probably mostly in the social commentary, uh, which right. isn't some Jellos, um, but usually isn't the focus, and and uh, it's also not necessarily like a normal theme to have. Um, so, right, yeah, no, I, I, this film is, if you think about it, uh, it's like almost a precursor of screaming in the, in the social commentary that it's very meta is definitely it definitely uh, is introspective about uh, the film industry uh, in this case specifically the Spanish film industry and how it competes with the American film industry as well as uh, you know society's interest in gore in horror in striking images but at the same time people unwillingness or even hypocritical unwillingness to to say that they're interested in that um and no it's i think it's a movie that uh i i mean i i really liked it the first time i watched it uh back you know 13 years ago um and i think it still holds up really well today um yeah it's kind of interesting this is one of those huh? oh go ahead no, this is one of those movies where I when when I first heard of it, it was actually when it came out because I saw the trailer in theaters. Um, I was a kid, like pretty young, and I was really scared of horror movies. And I remember the trailer, and just uh, I'm seeing it, and I'm be like, "Oh, this is really fucked up. This is gonna be like the biggest horror ever." And my sister, who was like a she loved horror back then she really wanted to see it and my mom was like no you guys are not allowed to see it <laughs> and I'm like good <laughs> and then uh <laughs> my mom was like that looks really packed, fucked up uh, I mean like, if you watch it today like you actually don't see much but it it is a horrifying movie like what's happening like outside of the audience view yeah um, do you think this? Do you think you this film holds up better now, or when we watched it for the first time in two thousand eight? Just a random question. I mean, I don't know that there's a right answer because I actually don't know what I would say. I I think it's it's an interesting question. I think it holds up well. I, I think it, it it holds up well now, or as as well now as it did uh, back then, and. One thing about this movie, you know, as I mentioned before, this movie is from 1996, and I mean, when the film came out, it actually used a lot of, it just, it addressed a lot of technology of the time. I mean, a big plot point is the camera that they're using, which is uh, XT500. Yeah, Sony XT500 uh, camera that I guess came out back in 1992 or something like that. Uh, that was like one of the first cameras with digital zoom. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, and and that's a huge plot point of the movie that in by the time we watched it already was not a big deal. Like every single camera had a, a digital zoom. Today, all cell phones have a digital zoom. Um, right, and they don't do those vertical lines either. You know, like they they're good. They're actually good digital zooms. Um, but what's interesting is that watching it today, uh, like almost 30 years after this movie came out, um, you get it. Like, 
you you watch it and even though they're talking about old old stuff, they explain it well enough for you to fully understand and appreciate what the situation is. So you know, it's almost ageless, even though it is a product of its time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, in some ways, it may have aged even better. Uh, obviously, like the technology and stuff is totally different. I mean, like there is like an obscene amount of VHS tapes shown on here, which you're just like, uh-huh. <laughs> unless you're like a real weirdo, you're not gonna uh, be seeing those uh, on like a daily basis at all. Um, but like you think about like what these uh, the people making these homemade movies are and it's like we're in like uh, uh, the golden age of like making movies uh, on your own and for yourself just with like phones and, and stuff like that it's like everyone can take videos and stuff like this now it's like back uh, in 1996 which is not that long ago I mean it's 25 years ago so it's a while but like it's not it's like within both of our lifetimes easily um, it's like they had to go through um, more trouble and get a camera and stuff like that and like tracking it is there. It's like these days everyone just has a phone and, and that's a way that they can record and and uh, yeah. So I mean uh, uh, in some ways I feel like the themes of that, I, I mean I, I'm not uh, up to date on the uh, snuff film industry or, or like the underground film movements on that stuff so I don't really know how uh, real or those sorts of scenes are here, but, uh, you know, uh, I mean, like I can imagine it and I can imagine the exact sort of tech that they would be using. Right. Right. Um, so, well, I mean, just to give a little bit of factoids about the movie, uh, as I mentioned before, the movie was directed by Alejandro Menavar. Um, this was actually his debut, uh, feature film. Uh, which is pretty impressive and uh, he was fairly young uh, when this mo- uh, when he filmed this movie he was actually uh, younger than the, the uh, main character Angela so yeah I mean, that's kind of that's pretty impressive yeah I mean that was one thing that struck me that I don't think struck me the first time I saw this film um, is that he was uh, I think 23 when he filmed this I mean it was released when he's 24 yeah. which is like extremely young I mean like I, he, I don't really know. He was the know. age of the characters that, in the movie. Yeah, like yeah. He was he he literally was the age of a film of a film student. So yeah, no, it's pretty impressive. Um, and I mean, amazing debut. Debut. He also he also composed all the music within it, hmm. uh, as well as the I mean, picking the music that was not composed by him. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, and then he was a writer uh, uh, along with Matteo Hill, who the, together they've written other other films. Um, uh, this fil- this film itself won uh, seven Goya awards, uh, including best film, best original screenplay, best director. Again, very impressive, especially thinking about his age. Uh, since then, he's done other films. Uh, including Abre los Ojos in uh, 1997, which was remade into uh, Vanilla Sky. Um, the Others in 2001, um, filmed with Nicole Kidman. See Inside in 2004, which won Best Foreign Language Film in the Academy Awards. In 2009, Agora. And then he came back and did another film, apparently did not do well, and I did not write it in my notes, but... Uh, he was pretty busy in the 90s, but then uh, he kind of stopped doing things for a little bit. He had definitely had a hiatus. 
uh, I kind of hope he starts uh, doing more movies again, uh, but maybe going back to his uh, his roots and making. I mean, he always makes very complex films, but uh, I mean, to me, I, I've actually out of the films I mentioned, I've seen. I mentioned uh, all, all the films that I mentioned. I've actually watched, and thesis thesis is still my favorite, actually. Oh, there you go. Uh, well, I'm kind of the opposite here. I'm in the position where I've seen... I don't even know if I've seen uh, uh, Vanilla Sky. So, <laughs> I've seen very, very little. Um, so, uh, I don't think I've seen The Sea Inside. Yeah, so I, I'm, I have seen... Uh, this might be the only film from uh, him that I actually have actually seen. Have you not seen The Others? Uh, let's see. Have I seen The Others? I don't think I have. I want to say no, but, you know, I've seen a lot of films, so. It's an American horror. I have not seen the others. Oh, wow, okay. So. Wow, okay. Well, th that one has to be on this podcast uh, another time. Uh, mainly because I want to rewatch it. I actually saw <laughs> it in theaters back in 2001, so I think it would be a good uh, chance to rewatch it. Well, we don't bring North American films onto, uh, uh, onto the Film to Film podcast. Not very often, but, uh, you know, this is a Spanish-Chilean uh, director, so okay, why not? there you go. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, no, this is... Uh, I, it's, yeah, it's still one of my favorite. Uh, this or Abre los ojos, which is the, the, the original version of Vanilla Sky. This, those two are very strong films from him, in my opinion. Um, well, so doing a little quick summary... This is with from IMDb, but slightly modified. Uh, the movie is while doing a thesis about film violence, Angela finds a snuff video where a girl is tortured until death. Soon she discovers that the girl was a former student in her university, and a murder mystery unfolds. What do you think? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Seems about right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's enough to know what, what's it about without any spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good, good synopsis. So, you know, I mean, what what, what are things that uh, uh, like strike strike you about this movie? Well, uh, I mean, I guess one of the things is is the setting. Uh, it feels very much on a university campus, uh, which is kind of a fun, interesting setting. I'm sure that uh, uh, the director could relate to that, being so young and probably um, having spent some time in, in these campuses and stuff like that. So just seeing like sort of like these uh, campus settings and, and like classrooms and and like kind of the empty feeling you get in the campus during like after hours and stuff like that. Uh, mm -hmm. Definitely one of the uh, striking things to me um, uh, on rewatch, at least one of the first things to strike me, at least. Yeah, no, I mean that's really interesting. I, um, I didn't even think about so much about the setting, but like about about spe specifically about the school. But yeah, that's that is a bit. Uh, the school does have a huge presence, or uh, the college campus. Um, it is interesting how like whenever she's escaping, she runs into a classroom. <laughs> Um, that's one thing I noticed that like she used a lot in that setting is 
if she's being chased by whatever she was like oh fuck i'm gonna run into this classroom and they're like teaching business or they're teaching econ or something and she's like all right um i mean so it is both very empty but uh at moments you know very like a very safe place yeah like yeah it is i mean i i think uh nathaniel would probably pick apart that chase scene in the sense that i don't know why she ran through some particularly deserted parts of the school but uh that she apparently knows quite well but yeah i mean it, it, i think it does a good job showing i mean like even like some of like the weird nooks and crannies of the campus like where they go like in the back of like this library with these rare films and then they go down and they uh uh have like this secret stash of stuff so it kind of mm -hmm. uh has a little bit of that like harry potter mystery to it you know yeah a little bit I, yeah no for sure it's uh Huh, it's, it's it's like almost like a um, uh, inferno where you had all this like passageways in different buildings uh, yeah I kind of yeah, yeah think of that yeah 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 no that's that's cool to think about yeah no I I really like well I like the university I also like the uh, when, when thinking about the the interior designs in the or or art design in the movie so you, you you had the you had the university was a very clear setting where it was more the most sort of sterile in a way the safest mm -hmm. but at the same time the scariest because you had that uh, that secret basement or you know a boiler room where they they were keeping all the films and everything. Um, I also liked I I liked little details for example the main characters uh which are angela played by uh, anna torrent and chema played by fele martinez uh they both in their place had like mannequins which was kind of a, a weird uh detail that uh were placed in this uh film um i i don't know i thought that was kind of Maybe maybe it was just the style of the '90s to have mannequins in play, in your place, <laughs> but uh, I don't think so. And movie posters, um, but yeah, that and was a little poster. weird. Uh, but I liked it. I, I dug it. Yeah, I think uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Chema had uh, the Hellraiser mannequin. <laughs> which I mean, Chema was. Uh, I mean, that, that guy was a fan of horror. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, um, if he didn't get killed in this film. Or no, he survived, so maybe we should invite Chema on to the podcast, you know? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he sur survived surprisingly even after they fucking snapped his neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, like, I, I still remember the first time I watched this movie, and uh, they snapped his neck, I was like, oh man, he's dead now. <laughs> and then, like, he's still talking, and I'm like, oh, okay, he's paraplegic. Yeah. And then at the end, you see him walking, and you're like, well... Then what does a head snap mean? <laughs> Did you just do like some chiropractic uh, move on him? Yeah. <laughs> um, one similarity that you uh, brought up earlier was uh, kind of like the meta elements to Scream and stuff. I mean, this character would definitely, if he was transposed to Scream, would definitely be like the Randy character, the uh, the guy that's way yeah. too into films and stuff like that. So I could see them translating that pretty one-to-one -one, uh, from film to film. Oh, 100%, yeah. Uh, although, 
Chema is a little bit more. Uh, he's weirder, because <laughs> Randy's kind of. I mean, they're both nerdy, but Chema is is like also like very recluse. Yeah, there's a darker side to this film, and there's also a darker side to Chema as well. Yeah, who's your favorite character? If you were to, if you were to pick one, uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess Chema. Uh, I I mean, when I first watched this, Chema was definitely my favorite character because <laughs> um, he's kind of a dick. Yeah. Um, I mean, even even when he's complimenting someone, he's just like, when he's like, "Oh, you're beautiful," she's like, "Oh, thanks." It's like. Uh, it's not. It's not. I mean, you. You. No need to thank. To thank me. I mean, you didn't do. Uh, it wasn't a compliment to you as a person. You were just born that way. <laughs> or, you know, like. <laughs> it's kind of like, like that's the, not, the, huh? the dickish, immature thing a college and like a young young adult would say to someone. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, so I remember when I first watched this. I mean, we were. I mean, I was probably nineteen, twenty. Yeah, uh, and, you know, like I was tw- same age, basically twenty twenty one. Yeah, so it's just like I don't know. It's a I I I mean, watching it now, Chema is more annoying. I'm like, ah, you're kind of being an idiot, but but still, he's still probably my favorite character. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, both of the main characters are kind of idiots at at certain points in the sense of just like their petty squabbles seem to really prevent them from uh, coming together and, and, you know, solving the thing together. Yeah. I mean, this is 100% a movie where you're like, I mean, if we, we, we're having a Nathaniel moment, this is definitely a movie where, you know, you ask yourself, um, when you got a hold of that snuff film and you watched it and you recognize who is being tortured and killed, why didn't you call the police right away? <laughs> yeah, I have that in my uh, my notes as well. I mean, similar to a lot of the Giallo films, it's like they just uh, they're just like they don't clearly don't want to show the police. I mean, like they think the police are less interesting, and for the most part, I think dramatically, I agree. But yeah, in terms of like a narrative uh, structure, it's like definitely um, kind of like uh, how come we we haven't called the police yet? Uh, there's like very very few officer interactions here and they don't even really like necessarily explain it away i suppose if you wanted to be really um generous to the film like a lot of the one of the themes is just that like they're sort of drawn to these films where they're both like disgusted ashamed but they're also sort of like allured and intrigued with these films and maybe you could say the same is true for sort of uh just trying to figure out this mystery where it's like they're right. they're, they're d- disgusted by it it's, it's terrible behavior they know that but there's also a part of them that's just like really, really intrigued and allured. And for the most part, us as an audience um, have that same sort of allure um, to the film. Mm-hmm. It's like we know these are like terrible crimes and stuff like that. Um, but uh, but we want to know what the hell happens. And, and we are glued to the screen and, and want to see the stuff. I mean, the same as like all the uh, old people um, in the hospital watching uh, the crap at the end. So, I mean, uh, right. So, it, well. Yeah. This film is all about the guilty pleasure. I mean, even from like from the very beginning, the very first scene is uh, is the subway, where you know you got the uh, you got the um, 
the subway worker basically saying like, all right, uh, all the subway's fucking, the subway's closed, everyone has to go. What happened? Oh, it, you know, the some man fell into the tracks and we ran over him. And so everyone has to go. Do not look at the tracks because the man has been split in half. And, you know, the very first, and this is when you're meeting Angela, and the very first thing that Angela wants to do is look at the man who was split in half by a train. Uh, and I mean, like, the movie basically is about the guilty pleasure of, you know, gore and violence. Yeah. And and I think you're, you're right that, to get, that, you know, at the end of the day, they didn't call the cops because the cops would have ended their invest, their personal investigation and they would have ended them finding the, uh, maybe finding more gore, finding more finding more of what they they were looking at. Right. Um, right. And I mean, they both have a fascination. One thing that it's, it's I I like about the comparison between Chema and Angela is that they're actually very similar people, but. Uh, Chema is almost all id, while Angela is all ego in the sense that uh, Chema is, you know, he, he wears his pleasure on his sleeves. Mm -hmm. He likes gore. He, everyone knows that. Everyone knows that, you know, he likes porn and all that stuff. Well, Angela loves that shit too, but, you know, she keeps her house pristine. She's not going to ever, like, she did, doesn't even watch the uh, snuff film in her house. You right. know, whenever she was going to watch the snuff film, it's going to be at, at uh, Chema's place. And, uh, right. She's got a picture of my own private Idaho be poster behind her with Keanu sitting there. She waits for her family to leave. Um, and it sort of explores that, like, I don't know, kind of like the, the shame of, of watching this or something like that, too. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's interesting. Which is also like her fascination with um, Bosco, the villain. Who is played by Eduardo Noriega? Important guy, name in the sense that uh, in Open Your Eyes, Abre Tus Ojos, he plays the main character, which in the American remake would be uh, Tom Cruise when he was at his prime. So I mean, like, clearly supposed to be the good looking guy. And I mean, let's be honest, he's good looking. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, this film does what um, a couple other serial killer films do too. It's like, it, it's like, in the very traditional uh, generic mode, it's like he would be the the character that is like helping and leading the investigation, and like Chemo would be the weirdo that's uh, that's like the villain. Um, but they reverse that here, where they make the good-looking guy um, uh, the villain, essentially. Um, but yeah. it, but because the film also plays with the mystery, it kind of messes with you too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, thinking about certain mo moments in the movie that I, I thought were kind of interesting, uh, we have the all the moments where they're talking about films and the industry. Uh, so you have the lecture by Professor Castro, another bad guy at the end. And, you know, his mindset of how film, any kind of film has to be an industry, right? And uh, the movie sort of gives you the clue of how 
at the end of the day, if you're looking at it as an industry, if you're looking at a money-making uh, thing, then you don't care whether or not you're making art or you're making snuff films. It's all about, like, are you making money? So you have Castro's uh, lecture in class where he's talking about that people thinking about film as art are just lying to themselves and that film is an industry and until Spain recognizes that the United States will completely demolish any any films from Spain and that the only way to compete is to give the public what they want hmm. and to him what they want is violence And that's a theme that he repeats often, even in, the, in his meetings with Angela. Is, is that it's like it's not about art. It's about, you know, making money at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like the commercialization um, of violence. Um, so, question though, uh, while we're staying on that theme, it's like, do you think that has aged well? Like, do you buy the thesis? You know, it's interesting. Uh, uh, this is one of those where I would say yes and no. So if we if we think uh, if we're thinking about what kind of films were in the '90s, like early '90s, we think of Terminator, uh, Rambo. We're thinking of you know, like I mean, I know I know those are technically '80s movies, mm -hmm. but I mean like they were late '80s. Those were the blockbusters mm -hmm. uh, sure, of, the, sure. of the time, and and I mean. If you think about the uh, body count of those movies, especially Rambo, Rambo 2 and, and Rambo 3, those are really high body counts. So we're talking about, you know, and, and those are the, were the movies that probably were blockbusters not only in, in the U.S. but in Spain. Mm. Uh, so probably that was accurate then. Today, do we see those kind of body counts? Is that the blockbuster that we have today? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I guess I have mixed feelings on it too. I mean, I guess I tend to think of. Uh, I was trying to think of like what films that uh, uh, a I'm not sure if I'm saying his name correctly, um, uh, is referencing here, and I was like trying thinking of like more like Seven, which came out a year earlier and really sort of pushes uh, some limits as that, um, or like. Silence of the Lambs, um, sort of, sort of a serial killer, um, like pretty extreme guy. There, I was thinking of those films rather than like uh, Terminator and Rambo. Although I, I, I see your point there too, um, but I guess I don't tend to think of '90s. I tend to think of '90s as more of a step back from more of the excesses and stuff. Uh, thinking of like more of like the slashers that were pushed to the extreme and sort of like the mid to early 80s and stuff like that and 70s uh 70s and 80s so i don't know i mean i'm not sure to me at least uh for for me as a film watcher i don't know that i see the 90s as particularly pushing the boundaries of of, of what's uh okay or not and i also don't know that um i don't know it's just an interesting time yeah, no, where it's like uh like decrying violent media and violent media video games nowadays is seen more as like a uh, conservative position um and stuff like that so i feel like the message has aged interestingly <laughs> well so i mean i'm not sure so it, it is interesting because i i don't know if the movie itself uh truly decries violence 
I mean, Angela's thesis is about the crime violence, but uh, I mean, the professor uh, Castro, even though yes, he's the bad guy, his argument is pretty solid. His argument is that if you want to compete, you gotta give the audience what they want. And I mean, he doesn't explain what they want. He thinks it's violence. It could be something else. Although at the end of the movie, especially with the news newscaster, when they show when the when the the news ends with them showing the the snuff film and everyone watching it, it you know, it is implied that it's violence. But I don't think the movie necessarily is criticizing violent films. I don't think the movie is criticizing the violence that you had in American films or whatever films. I think what it's criticizing is uh, the hypocrisy of people and how hmm. people would like to think that they're not that they that they're not interested in violence, but in reality, they are. I mean, and and I mean, and, and going back to it, yes, I mentioned a bunch of '80s movies, but I'm, but all in all, like action films. American action films are like you, they got a body count, and and those are the block like, and the blockbusters. I mean, maybe maybe a, 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 a Die Hard Five in the U.S. doesn't do as well in blockbusters, but internationally, it does real well because you don't you're not gonna have a Die Hard Five in from yeah you know Spain. I mean, I would say yes and no. On one hand, yeah, some stuff like John Wick and stuff like that really push it. But then on the other hand, you also have uh, things like uh, uh, the Avengers, which I think kind of have, like, for me personally, I would be way more on board with just a bunch of random people uh, getting mowed down in the Avengers. Uh, I, I think Nathaniel would agree that would make more sense. Uh, but uh, but you have, like, films like that that tend to be, in my opinion, a lot more tame. I mean, maybe a bunch of people died in those films, but I don't really think of those as, as body count films. And those are, like, the most popular films of the day is, like, our comic book movies. Um, but I, I think right, you but... bring up an interesting point. I just want to mention this real fast. Uh, I think the angle of it also is not necessarily about the film industry, too. Um, and you think about what they are watching at the end there. And it's like the news. It's the local news. So uh, yeah. what you said there makes me think more of like uh, the local news, uh, which, of course, is, is kind of infamously inundated with stuff like that, um, with like violent stuff combined with like kind of like dumb stories um and uh like nightcrawler um like i don't know if you've seen that jill and hall film from seven yeah. years yeah, ago yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh it does remind me of that that'd be an interesting sort of double bill looking at like the role of like people's appetite and i mean that's an example where um they are commercial uh commercializing uh these really violent incidents and 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 that they are giving people what they want they are meeting the demands of a market um, so exactly. So I, I no exactly. So I, th I for me the the points resonate more strongly with um, that sort of stuff rather than like Hollywood uh, uh, cinema per se. Sure, sure, but um, no, no, and I agree. I was just trying to put myself in the position uh, of that Spanish industry vis-a-vis -vis, uh, the American industry in the nineties, where you know I'm not sure how many. Spanish horrors you saw, you you know, or not horrors, but Spanish like uh, high body count actions you saw. But I mean, like even today, when you were mentioning the Avengers, the first thing that came to mind was, all right, the Avengers came out, and sure, that's a movie you bring your kids to watch. But then I go home, I put Amazon Prime, and I'm watching The Boys, 
where it's, you know, the Avengers plus Gore. And it's like if the Avengers were the bad boys and you know the bad guys, you know. Right. And and if you ask me which one do I enjoy more? The boys. I mean <laughs> I, I, I you know like you know, enjoy someone getting a bomb stuck up his ass and then blown up into a million pieces, you know, over the same story over over again, like written by Mickey Mouse. <laughs> so I mean, that's that's and and that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it's kind of funny because the movie even implies that when uh, Angela is doing her essay, uh, she's she's doing an essay about you know uh, violence in uh, in in media. And Chema at first doesn't want to help her out, and she's like, "Well, but you're the best one person to help me out." And he's like, "Well, you should have done an, an a, a thesis on Mickey Mouse." Like he even makes that joke because you, yes, you do have Mickey, the Mickey Mouse of the, the the film industry, and Avengers. I feel like falls under that category, almost literally, given that it's Disney property. But then you got you got your boys, same genre. Yeah, but bloody as hell. Yeah, um, there you go. Anyways, I mean that's uh, that's one thing, but yes, the the more interesting thing is really more about the personal choice of the individuals, and whether you see that in local news, uh, or the nightcrawler effect, as you're mentioning, where people really want to have cameramans going into the most morbid shit to get that in the news, um, and I mean. You know, this movie came out years before Nightcrawler, but it does address that same, that, a similar theme. Um, another thing, though, is that the movie does, because it's Spanish, you can definitely tell that, like, it is self-reflecting on, on, on Spain itself, right? Like, you got... The, the, when when uh, uh, Angela's uh, former professor uh, Figueroa died, you know, and, and everyone's announced like, "Oh, Figueroa died uh, uh, while watching a movie." Some person, I think it was Chema, like literally says like, "Oh, he must have been watching a Spanish movie." <laughs> and you know, so y you got a little bit of that uh, retrospective point of view. And by the way, which which is interesting because I will say that Spanish cinema is really good, but you know, uh, the movie definitely criticizes its industry, and or more than criticizes, tries to look into it and see like the insecurities of filmmakers in general. I mean, Professor Castro is. He has huge insecurities about the Spanish film industry. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I, I, I think it's a, I mean, it's a very wonky movie if you think about it. Like it's definitely, you can definitely tell that this was, this movie was made by a person who recently graduated film school and it is for film school students. <laughs> right, right, yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, you could definitely see that. I mean, it's why like maybe Film people like us might might rate it even a little more higher, uh, just because they like so clearly have a, a character like Kema who's like a stand-in for either ourselves or, or someone that we might know um, that's really into that those sorts of films. Mm -hmm. I, I think most normal people don't necessarily know like someone that's like a Kema. Yeah, no, definitely, I agree. 
Um, another thing that I thought it was kind of interesting, and you sort of you mentioned it already, was how this movie did turn around the whole concept of like the good-looking guy being the bad person, while the Chema, Chema being the weirdo ends up being the good guy. Um, but I mean, he's a good guy with an asterisk, right? Like, he's still weird. And by weird, I mean, like, he, he stalks Angela. He records her. I mean, without her consent. Right. Yeah, I mean, how much also do you think Chema knew about the plot, like, from the beginning? Because he was obviously not terribly forthcoming with uh, Angela uh for uh for most of the film i think he knew most of it yeah okay which i mean like makes him not a great guy for sure <laughs> exactly because he never he he never came forward like when when it when it, the crime happened which which was like 2 years ago at least the one that they saw in video yeah i mean i don't i don't think he knew that it became a thing right i think and I think that when when they were doing the internship, because all of this started with an internship, right? Yeah, uh, that's as, how it's explained. As do all good and bad things. <laughs> I know. Um, but when doing their internship, the they they talked about different films that they could make, and then Tema like brought up us. Maybe seriously, maybe not. Brought up snuff films, right? Uh, it sounds like once uh, Bosco was like, "All right, let's do it," Chema was like, "Wait, really? Seriously?" And then he kind of backed out, you know. Uh, right. I mean, they don't explain that to you, but viewing it in the light most favorable to Chema, he probably backed out and quit the internship and all that stuff. Um. And then the girl disappeared, and Chema was probably like, oh shit, maybe they did do it. But he didn't think that they created an entire fucking library of like more than 200 uh, snuff films. Right, right. So, you know. Uh, it is pretty crazy, though, that like. Because, I mean, you see that Professor Castro was also involved in it. But the school could have easily been involved in it, and you don't know. Yeah, I mean, and Professor Castro, uh, I mean, they make a point out of showing, like, his awards and stuff like that. So you get the impression, uh, and they kind of do the same thing with him and uh, Professor uh, Figueroa, the older professor, mm -hmm. uh, where, like, he seems like the cooler, more sociable uh professor and he's also like the evil one um that's like behind the scenes but you get the feeling that he is more successful um just professionally uh than the other professor um just yeah. just from the awards and like his charisma and the fact that people seem to really like his class um and he also has like also this dark side so they kind of do the same thing with uh, uh chema and um uh the the villain as they do with those the two older professors with Bosco. Bosco. Yeah, no, no, right, definitely. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I'm going to jump into uh, some moments in the film that uh, at least stood out to me. Um, well, one one scene was, uh, I, I do like uh, the, the manner that the film was made, was how 
when Angela was watching like one of the first like not the snuff film but she was watching like a fucked up film at Chema's house I think the movie was called Fresh Blood like they have her watching this and it just looks like a really trashy film of just clips of real of you know of the death of real people right uh, 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 and she's watching that and while she's watching that and, and the movie is trashy in the sense that it has like trashy music and all that um, the professor is getting the real snuff film and he's like and, and like her scene is just like you got the kind of music while the professor everything is quiet he's putting it in the at the auditorium where he's watching it in the, in the school and it's just an interesting kind of cross section between that and that also, there are some sort of, I don't know. Though I, I thought it was funny how you got that cross part where she's watching, I mean, it's, it's horrible images for sure, but it's a trashy video. I'm, I mean, I kind of looked up whether or not fresh blood exists. It doesn't. But uh, I think it, they were sort of making, uh, they sort of referencing a real m movie called... Uh, Faces of the Death, or Faces of the Death. Hmm. I don't know if you ever heard of that. I have not. All right. Well, I don't know why in, in South America and probably in Spain too, it was like a huge deal, uh, quote unquote, uh, in the nineties. Uh, everyone talked about it, but uh, it was basically um, a movie that came out that actually came out in the eighties, but it became available in the nineties to a lot of people. Uh, and they state they and it's they say that all the footage you will see it's real, and what you see really is real footage of people dying. Hmm. And by the way, later has been uncovered that most of the footage actually is not even real of real people dying, but <laughs> back then that's what uh, how it was sold. Okay, so they tried and, to sell it as like real life found footage. Kind of, yeah. And I mean, it just clips off, you know, um, like, um, people dying in war, people dying in, like, uh, like, shot in a crime, things like that. Like, it's not, you know, it's just like, yeah, found footage in a way. Although they do mix it with some real Mm -hmm. uh, stuff I never saw it but I mean I, I remember hearing a lot about it especially when I was like 12 <laughs> people would be like oh have you watched this yeah and I'm and like no and your mom's mm -hmm. like you're not allowed to watch that and Yaki's like good <laughs> now when I was 12 I mean this movie came out when I was much younger than 12 now when I was 12 I was like I'm talking about like you know you're hanging out with your friends and one person's like oh man man I got a copy of uh, House of Dead I'm mean, not a house of death, sorry. Faces of death. And I'm like, what's that? It's like, you don't know what that is? Man, you're too innocent. And, you know, that kind of shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, okay, sure, sure. And, 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 and that's, uh, and, and that movie literally looked, looked like that. Because I've actually seen clips of uh, the Faces of Death. And it's just like that. It's just kind of a trashy movie where they, they do have some real footage of people dying. But it's like, who wants to watch that? First of all, uh, you know, I, I don't want to see a soldier killing someone like at a at a lineup. Like no, anyways. So 
So you have that, and then it's mixed with that scene with her watching this while horrified, mixed with the professor literally dying of uh, an asthma attack because he, uh, he watched a real snuff film. <laughs> you know. Uh, so I, I thought that was, uh, that was an interesting... That was funny. Um, another scene to me that was sort of was a highlight is when Angela f first finds out about Bosco. I don't know if you remember, uh, like, if you remember that scene. That's when she um, she's studying or looking at her notes while listening to the torture tape. She's listening to it only, and then she noticed uh, the camera. Yeah. Uh, and she noticed the guy, the guy who's using it, and the entire scene is her following Bosco, and then Bosco following her, and the music is uh, definitely adds to the tension. And this is one part where it really impresses me. That impresses me about Ivan Navarre is that not only had, did he make this movie, but like the music itself would definitely create a higher tension. What do you, I don't know if you remember that scene or what do you think about it? Yeah, no, it was good. I mean, I thought, I thought it was very well made. I mean, like just the way that like it kind of shows that shifting perspective and it's done totally visually um, with no like narration and stuff like that. And that's one of those scenes where you also get like that tour of the college campus uh, where uh -huh. she makes some uh, inexplicable decisions. But, you know, it, it works as a scene. Uh, it's tense. It, it's kind of interesting. So, um, yeah, I, I also... Uh, I also like that scene. Yeah. Um, do you think Chema was kind of, uh, beyond being a, a, an important character, do you think he was sort of uh, a comic relief sometimes? Yeah. Or what do you think of the comic relief in the movie in general? Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like the comic relief uh, is something that may have worked a little better on me 13 years ago. I mean, it still works, it, it, but... Uh, Senses of, senses of humor have changed and I mean like these characters used to be right around up my age maybe slightly older and now it's like oh these young kids uh, <laughs> it, it feels it feels like I'm significantly older than all the characters uh, so uh, you are uh, yeah, yeah it's true uh, I, I am now significantly older than them so maybe I, I can relate to the stupid humor and immaturity of Chema a little bit less uh, than I could uh, in 2008 uh, so, um, so the parts of that I feel like do work, but are also probably a little bit less effective than they were uh, uh, back uh, thirteen years ago. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Although I do like the the part where um, the entire uh, sequence where he's um, he's trying to break into the archives and. Uh, you know, uh, using like a screwdriver or something, and then the the archives actually was completely unlocked. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, I mean, like you got some of those scenes. Um, same with him bribing the security guard. Yeah, yeah. With porn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have in my notes, porn is currency. <laughs> um. Now, probably one of the highlights for me was the. Uh, when they were actually at the basement or the boiler room, where the the, call it. the lights go out, yeah, yeah, I think that's maybe along with the ending, the best scene uh, in the film. What are your thoughts about it? 
I mean, I like it. Uh, I mean, I like uh, set pieces like that. I mean, I, I could go either way on sort of Chema mm-hmm. talking and telling the story, but I... I I am more a fan of just like how visually it looks and like the gimmick of they just have to keep doing lights and stuff like that and then they have to burn the clothes and stuff um, and they're mm-hmm. just kind of wandering around um, and let's see I I did take some notes on that scene um, I think they also did a good job um, with the sound design there sort of going into a very spare uh, minimal sounds uh, I don't think there's any music playing during that which I also think I like uh, if I'm remembering right. it correctly. And then you just sort of hear like the matches going there, uh, so yeah. so like the way it, like just really really reduces your senses to nothing by going to like a black screen, small sounds and stuff like that. I think it works well. I mean, I think it's easily the most suspenseful scene uh, in the film. Like on one hand, it's like the chase is well done, but it's like on the other hand, it's like he's chasing you around a college campus that has people in classes and stuff. It's like probably nothing bad's going to happen, but this time they actually mm-hmm. do feel legitimately um, vulnerable. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And um, one thing, I mean, at that point, they both think that they're going to die. I mean, they're just trying to find an exit point, but they literally think that they're fucked. And, and just having matches being the only thing to eliminate their path, is it was kind of interesting. Um, for you, did it work uh, that Chema told uh, that dwarf and princess story? I I didn't care. <laughs> no, not really. Yeah. All right, all right. Yeah. I, you know, the first time I watched it, I liked it, and this time I liked it too. Okay. I guess there you it's go. because I, I guess it's a, I like that, I like that story because it's dark as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. And 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 it and it's kind of very on, on point with Chema in the sense that he's like. Uh, Angela is freaking out and Chema doesn't know what to do he's trying to stay calm he's trying to be the rational guy and he's like fuck it okay I'm gonna calm you down like if you were a child I'm gonna tell you a fairy tale and you know you think of all right what kind of fairy tale will he say and then he tells the fucking grimmest fairy tale he can think of (laughs) yeah well it's in character Exactly. So I, I, to me, it works because it, it further, you know, shows how Chema, even in his uh, harshest moments, he still kind of struggles <laughs> with right. being a normal person. Right. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I thought it was, uh, I mean, that scene... It is very claustrophobic, and the matches are, do make it even worse. Like that, that's the only only source of light. Um, I don't know why I rem- I remembered that those cameras had uh, infrared vision, <laughs> or you know like. So I thought that they got away that way, but they rewatching it, I was like, oh no no, they did not escape at all. No, they didn't. No. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let, uh, let's go to the final scene. Or do you want to talk about sure. anything before that? No, well, let's do it. Yeah. So, I mean, this movie sets up the place. Sets up. Uh, it creates sort of an ambience with the rain. 
you know it's like fucking tropical rain almost and the level of like it's like a deluge like it's just fucking pouring and it sets up how wealthy and well off like bosco is like he was a fucking he's really like a you know like i mean if, again comparing him and chema chema living in an apartment that looks like shit and him having living in his, like staying on the weekends at his parents third house you know you're right right it it, it really sets up uh well that's how you know he's the villain because like it's okay to be somewhat wealthy uh and, and be a good guy but once you're that obscenely wealthy mm-mm, you gotta be bad yeah exactly yeah. i mean that was a nice house i mean i wouldn't have that house yeah i mean maybe if he had a shitty mannequin like the other two he could have been a good guy but nah no mannequin. No. no mannequin. Paintings. He had paintings. Yeah. He had class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what what are your highlights in the final scene? I mean, just seeing the mystery come together, uh, I think is is cool. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, like I like a lot of the shots where they cut between like the the garage and like the garage that you see uh, in the film. Uh, mm-hmm. so where they just piece it together um, I those are actually weirdly enough the shots I remembered uh, coming into this film I was like oh yeah I remember they like finish it in like a garage with like like a stripe or something like that so uh, oh, yeah it's, it's a very like distinct stripe too right 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 so yeah I, I just remember that coming together um, and like the stuff with like the garage opening and closing I, I like it yeah it, it's a good use of like movement um in the film um so yeah i mean it's just nice uh, I, I think probably a big reason why this film works and continues to work is like the mystery um it's just really interesting um it's just really interesting mystery and so here's where it just uh pays off um in this sort of suspenseful scene um reminds me a lot of a giallo in the sense that it's like oh is it Gemma or is it this guy who's who's the real killer you know one of them's good one of them's bad so um so yeah, uh, yeah. I, I just uh, I, I think it just builds well to that moment, um, and I think it it's good. Do you remember the when when you first watched this movie? Do you remember whether or not uh, you thought maybe it was Chema because he showed up like super creepily, like in that house, or were you convinced that it was Bosco already? I don't think I knew exactly who it was. I think I may have been confused. I'm not sure. I mean, I tend to not watch films and be like, oh, I picked out the killer already. I, I tend to just, like, let them come to me. So my guess mm-hmm. is I wasn't totally sure. Um, uh, what, about you? what about you? I mean, I thought most of the movie was Bosco. Uh-huh. Because I was like, whatever. Uh, but, um, but then, uh, you know, there's that scene where Chema just shows up and attacks Bosco. And it's just kind of, and he's just like knocked out. And I'm like, fuck, is it Chema? Or is Chema actually saving Angela? As he's saying, you know. But then Bosco snaps his fucking neck. And I'm like, no, it's Bosco. Bosco is the bad guy. <laughs> like, I mean, the, the way that Bosco just fights back. And, and one thing about this movie is that gives you so many clues uh, throughout the entire film. Like, the 
the Castro is involved or that a professor is involved in the snuff, it's like set up in the very beginning almost when Figueroa right. goes into the archives and they're like, oh, another professor comes in all the time. You yeah. Know? So you. Right. I mean, the professor one, I feel like, is pretty easy to figure out, too, just because there's such a limited amount of characters and Figueroa dies. So, you know, he's not, like, the one. Uh, right. So it makes so, yeah. complete sense since Castro. And then it's like, I noticed also when uh, she goes in to see him, uh, he's, like, looking at her file and stuff, and then he, like, puts it sort of in the middle when he hears her knock, and then he pulls it out. Mm -hmm. So he just has, like, a lot of, like, small, suspicious behavior like that. I mean, also, it's the same thing with the house. It's like, it's like you're allowed to be somewhat successful and be a bit good guy, but to have three statues like that, three trophies? No, no. <laughs> if you have three trophies, you're you're probably a bad guy in a movie. <laughs> One, maybe maybe you could be good. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I agree. I agree. I agree. Um. <laughs> um. But yeah, no. That's uh, one thing. Now, what do you think of the uh, of the romance in this movie? Because I mean, um, Chema kind of has a crush on Angela, and Angela kind of has a crush on Bosco, even though he's the killer. And, she, and I mean, everyone else is a killer. I mean, I feel like the movie does try to set it up at the beginning. Right, right. I mean, we're introduced to him literally from like Angela following his camera because it's the same camera a killer uses. So he's always a suspect for sure. Yeah. So, what do you think of the that weird love triangle? Does it work? I mean, I think it kind of works. Uh, it's not the thing that works the most for me in the film, but I don't have a major complaint with it. Um, I mean, I don't know. What about you? No, yeah, I think I think it works. I think uh, I think it's subtle enough. In the sense that uh, it's not a main part of the plot, uh, and it's there almost to. It almost gives you a red herring. Uh, why is Chema being an asshole? Like, is it because he's jealous, or or is it because he knows that Bosco is a killer? You know, and and without that that love triangle, you wouldn't have that. You know, you would just say like, oh, he knows that Bosco is a killer. Right, 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 right. That makes sense. I mean, it also kind of. I mean, we talk about how um, uh, Bosco is, like, the good-looking one of the two uh, young male leads. So it also plays into that, too, of, of how he's, like, a, a, we have to question, like, how he, like, we see him as, like, a romantic lead, whereas, like, Chema's not. And Chema's also, obviously, way more insecure about romance, whereas, like, we see that Bosco has, like, a girlfriend um, and has had, like, seems to have no issues romantically everyone's commenting on how he's good looking and stuff like that um mm -hmm. whereas like these comments aren't being tossed onto chema so i mean it kind of plays into sort of like that attraction angle which is like kind of related to violence uh as well so i don't know mm -hmm. i mean in security i think it's a big it's a it's a more subtle theme in this movie but it's a very strong one especially chema's security i mean even even like the guy like Angela and Chema never actually like hang out you know they're always like doing like they're, they're always at business if you will right like they're always uh, she's watching his films or they're trying to solve this mystery well with Bosco even though he's the killer I mean technically he invites himself to 
to have dinner with her family. But still, he has female dinner with her family. Uh, you know, they make out and like um, basically have sex at a party or after a party, right? Like at a fucking park. Um, so, and Chema is aware of all of this and like, you know, it clearly like ticks him off. It's one of those weird things. Um, right. Although, I mean, like, if my sexual orientation was different, you know, I would probably fuck Bosco too. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, yeah. What about you? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, I was saying earlier how uh, uh, Chema. His face kind of looks a little like Adam Driver, but that's like Adam Driver before he goes into the military. So maybe he's just got to uh, uh, join the, the Franco squad and uh, bulk up for 10 years. And then he'll be, uh, we'll see him as like capable of dating Scarlett Johansson. Hey, oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Then then you actually would believe it. Um, you know, that, that actor, he's been in other big Spanish movies. He's like the... He's one of the main guys in Bad Education. I don't know if you remember that Oh, movie. yeah. Um, I have not seen that film since it came out, but uh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's like the guy who is searching for the priest. Okay. Like, I haven't seen that movie since it came out either, but I mean, like... I just remember him because I, I saw that right after... I saw thesis for the first time. Okay, so you recognize him. Yeah. Um, so back to the hospital. We we kind of talked about the uh, already like so that's the epilogue right like after everything happens the bad guy is killed and all that. At the hospital, one thing um, I noticed, and again this is the part where translation gets lost in translation and more importantly lost in the subtitles. But I want to point out, because I always find it hilarious, uh, at least because it's something that I saw in Ch I, like that is a, a common trope in Chile as well, is that whenever something fucked up happens, you say, oh, this is the first time it happens in our country. <laughs> All right? Uh, it's common in the United States and Europe, but it's the first time it happens in our country. So this is something that was not in the subtitles, but I will point out to you and have you tell me what you think so in the in the news they're talking about like oh you know uh the snuff crime happened blah 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 etc etc and then once angela is talking to chema that's when it stops uh translating what the news is saying but the news continues saying snuff films are very common in the united states and in northern europe but this is the first case in in spain <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I just like to point that out because this is... I, I, I remember the first time I watched this movie and I laughed when I heard that. When I watched it again and noticing that it's not in the subtitles, I laughed even more. <laughs> uh, one, not sure why they didn't put in the subtitles, but two, um, it is a very common trope in Chile at least when something weird happened it's like oh it's the first time it happens in Chile but it's really common in the US and Europe um, and it's usually something weird and bad <laughs> that's fair that's fair probably happened in Florida 
a snuff a, a trade. Uh, how much money do you think they were making with that shit? I don't know. I mean, it didn't seem like necessarily a super solid business model, but I don't know. I mean, it's like the mid-90s, so it's like hard to say. I mean, like back then, it's like the videos and the cassette tapes and stuff like that. That was like the main market, so maybe it was successful. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting because it's uh, I feel like there's two types of... Um, of film industry, uh, or film industry, of films that are completely taboo. One we that one that actually we people talk openly about, and then the other one that people don't. Uh, snuff is the one that people wouldn't talk openly about, but I mean there must be an industry, right? Uh, I mean the <laughs> movie talks about it. Uh, the other one that yeah. people do talk about would be child pornography. But I would put those two in a similar situation, right? Like, yeah, that they're illegal because, like, in order for it to be created, a crime must be committed. Right. I mean, it seems like there would be a market for fake snuff films. <laughs> for well, for fake for sure. And I mean, yeah. there is. I told you about Face of the Death, right? Like, yeah, that's yeah, almost, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it seems like you would be better off if you're able to fake it. But then again, you, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, right, right. The, the reason I, I, I wonder is because, like, today, um, probably this would be even more profitable than back then in the sense that today you can sell all over the world on on the dark web or something like that. Right, Just right. like it happens with the other stuff. Right, they're not limited by physical media in that way. Yeah. Um, so I mean, like, I think this is this movie could be remade. Uh, they would have to fix the uh, the camera situation because today there's no fucking way you can figure out what fucking camera someone used. <laughs> yeah, certainly not off of the digital zoom. Yeah. Um. But I mean, I don't know, that's some, something uh, uh, I, I think it's notable. It's kind of weird. Um, ooh, ooh, sorry. One last thing I had on my notes. This is kind of in the romance side of the movie. Mm -hmm. um, one of the... I, I don't know if... Uh, like, what were your thoughts on the scene where um, uh, Bosco shows up in Angela's house for the first time to get the uh, cross shots and then they are in her room? That, uh, uh, like uh, with her family? Yeah. So before dinner, he's in her room and like they are... Um, and like he's like basically threatened to kiss him, to kiss her. Uh huh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that is that before or after they eat? Before they eat. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it kind of just shows you. I mean, like at that point, you're super suspicious of Bosco already. So I guess it kind of like mixes the the sex and the violence. You know, it's like the attraction. Yeah to uh to the violence and it's like you could see bosco as sort of like the symbol symbolism of uh i mean this is getting kind of like liter literature analysis 
But uh, it's like you see Bosco is kind of like this dangerous but attractive uh, thing. At least uh, Angela does. Um, so it's kind of like how we're attracted to the things that could also hurt us. Um, I mean, right, exactly. I mean, I, not to draw it back to something just totally random, but I mean, like that's Hellraiser too. I mean, Hellraiser is also about like that uh, uh, that pleasure and and pain uh, sort of stuff. So I mean, even the uh, the mannequin in Kemba's apartment makes sense with the themes of the movie. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, I mean, and even so, like I mean, Angela's attraction because Angela clearly has a crush on Bosco, and but her dreams are literally of her. Like having sex with him while she's he's stabbing her, right? Uh, so I mean, she she definitely likes that danger, and and I don't know. It's just one of those interesting areas where once again the movie goes back into our guilty pleasures, right? Like her attraction for Bosco is not knowing whether or not he is the brutal killer because I mean you, we never see the snuff film we never actually see it right but what we know is that it's fucked up yeah true and um, I think it makes a it's it's a powerful moment I, I think it's kind of a powerful emotion because uh, you know that she's probably going to put herself in danger which she does at the very end yeah that's yeah yeah she does yeah. Um, well, James, who won? Uh, gotta give it to the director in this case. Um, I feel like, uh, I mean, like it's almost shocking that he was 23 when he made this film. Um, just an mm -hmm. incredibly polished film. I mean, like you could have told me this is made by a 55 year old and be like, all right, makes sense. But yeah, I mean, it's really good. Um, it has interesting themes to it. So, um, I think, uh, I, I think um, uh, given that there's not like a huge standout in the cast, I mean, I think they're generally all good. I'm going to just give it to uh, the director. Yeah, I, th I think I'm going to give it to the director as well. I was going to make a joke and say that I was going to give it to the uh, music composer. <laughs> well, yeah, you give it to the music composer and it'll go to the same person. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, actually, any thoughts about the music yourself? It was good, yeah. I mean, it's impressive that he could he could do both stuff. I mean, I also like the music. Uh, I think it did a good job of choosing when to use it and when to not use it. Like, I recently saw Terminator 1, which I'm not necessarily a huge fan of. Again, so I rewatched it, and I feel like it overuses its music. And I think that could have easily been a temptation for, like, a first-time director and stuff to put it over, like, the lighting scene, stuff like that. But I think uh, he chose to use it very appropriately, um, using it for, like, that chase scene and stuff. Very memorable. Yeah. So, so I, I think, uh, I think uh, thumbs up on the music. Yeah, same, same, same. Uh, interesting point you mentioned about the music. It made me think of a um, completely different movie. Um, but uh, The Sixth Sense, I, I, I mean, you know, today M. Night, M. Night Shyamalan has, uh, a lot of people have shot on him for good reasons. He's done terrible movies. But uh, in Sixth Sense, if you ever watch the, direct, the, um, the commentaries, M. Night Shyamalan actually literally tells you when he chose to use music and when he didn't. And actually, 
The Sixth Sense is a really good movie because he did a good job at, at the same thing. So, I mean, like, the, the fact that someone... I mean, that's, that's more credit to both directors and also the sound design people, so... Yeah. For sure, yeah. It makes a big, big difference uh, choosing to or to not use music. Mm-hmm. No, definitely, definitely. Do you think in the U.S. Uh, the news would show everything from this nut film? No. <laughs> no. I wonder if in Spain they would. I, I don't... I don't yeah, I mean, I don't think the U.S. in terms of, like, the normal media and stuff is particularly boundary-pushing compared to uh, other medias uh, around the world. True. Although, the U.S. the U.S. loves uh, fucking morbid stuff. Uh, the demand I mean, is I, there. The, I, uh, it, the local news loves that. I agree. I agree. Yeah. But, yeah, they talk more about it than they actually do things. Yeah. All right, so what do you rate it? Tough one. Um, I'm somewhere between an eight and a nine. Okay. Yeah, me too. I think I'm between eight and a nine. Yeah, there you go. Holds up well. There you go. So, yeah, very good movie. Uh, again, very impressed with uh, Amin Awad. But uh, and I highly recommend this film. Yeah, me too. You? Uh, yeah, definitely check this film out. It's interesting. Works on uh, uh, many different levels, which is something that I think is good. Uh, and I think it also makes it uh, more rewatchable as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of jealous. I wish uh, I was capable of making something like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, your time has passed uh, when you were 23. So, I mean, <laughs> you, you're now 10 know, years older than he was. Yeah. No, I'm saying, just, you know, like, if you think about it, that, that's the whole point. It's like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your great masterpiece lies ahead, Inyaki. That's your fortune cookie for today. All right, all right. Um, well, I think uh, there's not much to. I mean, do you have any, uh, any last things to say about it? Uh, nope, I think that's it. All right, perfect. Well,. Again, so thank you so much, everyone. I think I'm done with this. I uh, highly recommend this movie. And, um, you know, uh, if you have time, uh, this film is available in only YouTube, apparently. Uh, but if you can rent it from a local library, please do so. Because fuck YouTube and fuck big con corporations. <laughs> <laughs> And we're not here to advertise for anyone for free. <laughs> so, you know, unless unless they're paying us, we're not going to advertise for them. So go to a library and check it out there. And DVD, probably. Um, and besides that, you know, uh, if anyone has any questions about or any recommendations about films, please email us at our email, which is zafilmtofilm at gmail.com and that's with the number two and also you can hit us on twitter at zafilmtofilm just get rid of the gmail part you're good to go exactly alright well thank you so much for listening uh, and I hope you guys enjoyed this have a good night yeah good night <laughs>